We're in the book of Ephesians, where we've been on Sunday night, and we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and talk about some contrasting spiritual realities. Uh, Those contrasting spiritual realities uh, can be found and really summarized in two words, then and now, then and now. There should be, uh, if you are a believer, there was a then in your life, but now. Uh, We've already seen Paul use that phrase in Ephesians. And so we'll see it again here. Then and now. And the difference between the two contrasting realities. I like to call one set of those realities the practical position of a lost person in the world today. Paul lays it out. He outlines it step by step, boom, 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 in the verses that we're about to read. Now, uh, these spiritual realities uh, are contrast people who know Jesus and believe in Jesus and follow Jesus and people who don't know Jesus or believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. It just presents the clear difference before a person comes to know Christ and after they come to know Christ. And it was not only true for the people living in Ephesus, but it's true for the people who live in Loosedale today. And so we're going to look at these verses by beginning uh, to read verses 11 and 12 of Ephesians chapter 2. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you... The Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time, here's the expression then, then at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's the outline for the first part of our message. Paul lays out uh, these realities concerning the person who does not know Jesus or believe in Jesus or follow Jesus. And, And the first thing that he says about them, he says, you were separated from Christ. And of course, He's talking about these Ephesians. He's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, reminding them of what their life was like before they came to know Christ, but also laying out the reality of, of what it's like for a person in the world today who does not know Jesus or follow Jesus or believe in Jesus, separated from Christ. Number one, how serious is it to be separated from Christ? Well, without a connection to Christ, every other connection to heaven is broken. We have no Savior. We have no forgiveness of sin. To be separated from Christ is to be a lost soul with no hope of finding your way home, finding your way back to God. I hear people all the time, they tell me about 
You know, when you talk to somebody about the Lord, they say, well, you know, the Lord's always with me. Jesus is always with me. But they don't know him. They don't follow him. And they don't even believe in him. Is Jesus with them? Are they with Jesus? Will they be with Jesus in eternity? No. Paul said such a person is separated from Christ. Look again at verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. Do you not find it interesting in the least that's, that Paul is writing to a group of Gentiles who lived in another country, in a Roman colony, and he said, remember before you were not citizens of Israel. Were they citizens of Israel at that moment? Well, not with any kind of card or any kind of identification, and certainly not geographically or politically. But what Paul means to say by this about these, believe, these believers now, that then before they became believers, not only were they separated from Christ, here's number two, they were not a part of God's people. In the book of Hosea, God pronounced a terrible judgment on Israel because of the way they had been living. Hosea had two children, and one of them was named Lo-Ruhamah, or Lo-Ruhamah. And the child's name meant no mercy, because God was no longer going to show mercy on them. The other's name was Lo-Ami, or Lo-Ami, and the name meant not my people. That's a terrible judgment. That's why so many people in the world today, when God said, you're no longer part of my family, that's why so many people in the world today feel alone and orphaned. We sang a song. I once uh, was an outcast, a sinner by choice, and an alien by birth, an outcast and stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, and an alien by birth. That's the message that Paul is delivering. They have no connection to God. They are separated from Christ. They are not a part of God's people. This week, all of us are going to celebrate some family traditions. They may be just a little bit different this year in some households as they will be in mine. But we're going to have some traditions. We're going to get some, together with some people who cherish those traditions and who cherish each other and and we do that because we have heart connections with one another. If, if the wards didn't have a heart connection to Ben, why would they let him come? But they have a heart connection with him. And so that's why he's welcomed into their home. He's precious. But that's the way we feel about people who are in our family. They are precious to us. They are part of our family. Now, this is not about national citizenship, but spiritual citizenship. The gospel is not about nationalism. And, you know, we talk about being Americans, and we are Americans. But Paul told the Philippians, he said, Always remember, although your Roman citizenship is important, and he cherished his, he said, Our citizenship is in heaven, out of which we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that you 
are citizens of Israel? I don't know why people make a big deal out of that, about Israel being something altogether special and different. Paul just said, remember that at that time you were not citizens of Israel. But now you are. You're part of God's people. He'll, he'll enlarge on that in just a minute. But a person who is lost is not only separate from Christ. They're not a part of God's people. They have not a part of God's family. They have no heart connection to God. Look again at verse 12. He said, remember that at that time you were, number one, separate from Christ. Number two, excluded from citizenship in Israel, are not a part of God's people. And number three, foreigners or strangers to the covenants of promise. Now the covenants that Paul's talking about are those made in the Old Testament. Really, the covenant with Abraham supersedes all covenants. The writer of Hebrews talks about that and how important it is. Uh, you know, salvations by faith, that was how Abraham uh, got right with God. He believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. God made a covenant with him. But really, the covenants here relate to all, the God, all of God's promises, all the promises of the Old Testament. And Paul would say to these people, before you came to know Christ, you had no claim on God's promises. I simply can't imagine opening my Bible and not being able to claim one promise. Not one promise. You know, in their, in their little song, every promise in the book is mine. Well, what if you had to sing, not one promise in this book is mine. Nothing in this book is good for me because I can't claim one word of it, one little piece of it. I can't imagine that. Paul reminded these folks that when they were just Gentiles, the promises of God didn't belong to them. In other words, God never promised to give them the protection of angels, which he promised in the Old Testament. I will give angels charge concerning you. And uh, that was one of the verses the devil quoted to Jesus. Psalm 91, that great psalm about uh, being able to hide in God's shadow and God's protection and the protection of angels. No protection from God for these Gentiles before they came to know Jesus and believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. Not only so, they had never had a promise about God blessing their crops, their herds, or their homes. They had no promise of heaven. And not only did they not have these promises, they didn't even know these promises. Describes too many people in Loosedale, Mississippi. People who are lost, separated from Christ, not a part of God's people, no heart connection to God, and not one of the promises of God's book belongs to them except... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And then all of the promises of the book are open to you. Look again at verse 12. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, or not a part of God's people, and foreigners or strangers to the covenants of promise, and without hope. No hope. No hope. That's the next one. That is simply one of the saddest expressions on the face of the earth. You hear it sometimes when the doctor comes 
to the hospital and he says, I don't think we have any hope. I don't think you have any hope. There's no hope of getting better. Hopelessness brings a feeling of deep despair. Families get caught up in the grip of some kind of financial crisis. They often have a sense of despair because they can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. They have no hope. But when it comes to spiritual matters and matters of eternity, what a sad prognosis to offer the eternal soul of a person no hope. That's what Paul said. He said, before you came to know Christ, you had no hope. And if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is your practical position in the world today. You have no hope. No hope when you get up in the morning. No hope when you go to bed at night. The future holds no hope for you because you're separated from Christ. You are not a part of God's people. You have no heart connection to God, no claim on God's promises, no hope. Look again at verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Perhaps you drive through McDonald's or some place from time to time and the little girl or the guy at the window say, it says, have a blessed day or have a blessed one. Or you go to a convenience store and that's new probably about the last 10 or 15 years. Have a blessed one. And I call those pagan blessings because I realize that those people who are issuing those blessings have no idea what blessing is. And now, blessings come from God. As we stand on the edge of Thanksgiving, we ought to know that. But it is spiritually impossible to be blessed without being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you can't have a nice house and a nice car or a nice life, but that person's spiritual reality is this, and this is the last one you see it on the screen, without God in the world, completely without God in the world. When Adam and Eve were expelled in the garden, they were without God in the world. And that has been the sad state of every man since Adam. When, man, when Adam sinned, man's spiritual DNA was altered. And from that moment, every person born into the world was born separated from God. Every little baby born into the world, born separated from God. Not only so, born with a corrupt spiritual nature, a nature that would sin without training, a nature that would stray from God without encouragement. Every person born into the world since Adam has been born dead to God's presence, deaf to God's voice, blind to God's purpose, and bound for destruction. So much so that Jesus said, I am come to seek and save those who are lost. And it was everybody. Not just some people, but everybody. You, me, all of us would be lost without Christ. Completely without God in the world. Some people say, well, you know, I believe God blesses me every day. But if you're a lost person, that's not true. You're completely without God in the world. Separated from Christ. Not a part of God's people. No heart connection to God. No claim on God's promises. No hope. But I said that was the final one, but there's one more. 
And it moves into the but now in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away. And that is the practical position of a lost person in the world today. They are far, far away from God. And the distance grows greater by the day and the hopelessness grows greater and their opportunity to be saved grows shorter. Now we've been through that list and it's plain to see it's right there in the scripture. And hopefully that's not your spiritual reality. And now let's read the rest of verse 13 and I'm going to read all the way through verse 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far away have been brought near. You see the contrast? Far away, but now brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. There are just three other points I want to make. Then and now. Then we've talked about that. But now, he says, you are in Christ. In Christ is in contrast to being separated from Christ. That means I'm inside of Christ's love. I'm inside of Christ's care. I'm inside of Christ's protection. I'm inside of Christ's purpose. And I am inside of Christ's power. I am not separated from Christ. I am in Christ. And then he said, once far away, but now brought near. Notice the emphasis, brought near. I was reading, uh, preparing for our Sunday school lesson in our class, and one of the verses was Revelation 3.20, where uh, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the person, the commentary I was reading, emphasized the fact that salvation is God's initiative, that we don't come knocking, that God comes knocking, that we don't come near We are brought near. Sometimes we are drug near, aren't we? God takes the initiative. It was God's doing. It was grace. And last week we talked about that as an acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. The only door by which you can come near God is the door that was opened by Jesus' death on the cross. And those who know Jesus and believe in Jesus and follow Jesus come near to God by means of the blood of Jesus' cross. Now look at verse 19, and we'll close. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. The New Living Translation is on the screen there. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Then and now. Hopefully, you're on the now side of a relationship with Christ. And if you're not, all the list that we talked about earlier is where you are. Let's pray.